I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count them count all things less for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. See everybody here this morning. It, we had a banquet last night for our senior, graduating seniors, and uh, I'm I'm happy to say we survived. It's a great time. It's a good time for everyone to come together, and I was so encouraged by seeing how many people came out last night uh, from all all different ages to come and and uh, let our seniors know how much they are loved and how much they will be missed and how much how, how many good memories we have. I'll show you a picture of a man named Derek Nelson. A very kind man, a very compassionate man. And how do we know that? Because as a high school principal, New Jersey high school principal, he found out that there was a 14-year-old boy in France who needed a bone marrow transplant. And so in October of last year, he decided to find out if he was a match. And so he went through the tests, and sure enough, he was a match. And so he decided that he would give his marrow, to donate his marrow for this boy. And so in February, he goes through this process of extracting the marrow from his body. And he said this in a, in a, in a Washington Post report. This is one of his quotes. If it's just a little bit of pain for a little bit of time that can give someone years of joy, it's all worth it. But things didn't go as expected for him. After that February procedure, he fell into a coma. He's 44 years old, has a six-year-old daughter, and he goes into a coma in February. And earlier this month, he died this April. You might ask yourself, well, well, what was his motivation? Because he saw a need and he thought to himself, well, that's what I can do. I can do something for this boy. I was thinking about him and I wondered if Derek Nelson, and it's a noble thing to want to donate his marrow, but I was wondering if Derek Nelson would think, this boy needs my marrow, and if I give it to him, I will die, but I will still do it. You have to wonder if he still would. You know, you think about Jesus and his donation that he gave. His blood, his life. And he did it. He had the attitude that he would go through out of pain, not just for a little bit of time, but for quite some time. Why? So that the world could have not just a little bit of joy for a little bit of time, but eternal joy. Knowing full well 
that it wasn't just a procedure that he would go through and get to go home afterward, knowing full well that he wasn't going to make it through this ordeal. Think about Derek Nelson. He was... He was a match for the 14-year-old boy. But you think about Jesus' blood and, and this match that, that his marrow was made. You think about that and, and, it's, and it's just for a few people. But Jesus' blood, a perfect match for the whole world. And we need that. So as we think about this idea of what Christ can do, we can ask ourselves, what can Christ do? And then we'll talk about what Christ can do. And we're going to look at three things that Christ can do when he is, what he can do for us, what he can do in us, and then what he can do with us. And we'll start with this idea of for us. What can he do? Well, Matthew 121 says, he can save us. And she, his mom, will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from what? From their sins. What can he do for us? He can do something that no one else can do. He can save us from our sins. Why would anyone need to do that? Because we are sick with sin. And we need desperately this blood of Christ to say, let's go to Hebrews 12, 1, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He can save us from our sins. We're going to talk about how he can relieve us of the burden of his guilt. How much is supposed to go into a backpack? <laughs> how, much, how much weight are you supposed to carry in a backpack? Well, if you're hiking, you don't want to carry 200-pound backpack. You want to carry, from what I read, about 15% of your body weight. But when you think about guilt of sin, you might start out small and thinking, well, I don't have much. I think I can carry this. But as we go through life and we collect more and more sinful situations and experiences, we find ourselves piling it on, this guilt, this, this remorse, hopefully, that we're having because we know that we're doing things that God isn't happy about, that breaks his heart. And we collect more and more, and we're trying to carry this around, and eventually it gets so big, cannot move. That we cannot move. But we try. We try to drag that stuff with us. And we desperately need for that guilt and remorse and that heavy heartedness to be removed. But Hebrews 12.1 lets us know that we can be free from the burden of the guilt of sin Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. We cannot do that without the blood of Christ. We cannot lay aside every weight, every sin, so that we can run. And we can run when we do that. We lay aside that weight. We lay aside that sin. And we can get going through life. We can get going through this Christian journey. Because we are free to move. 
We're free to move. Christ can save us from the control of sin. Romans 8, 1 and 2. I'm going to talk about a couple of things from, from Romans 8. He can save us, first of all, in, in, verse, in verse 1 of Romans 8. He can save us from the condemnation of sin. To condemn, to be deserving of a punishment is to be condemned. Romans 8, 1. There's therefore now, and I want you to notice this word now. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now. Now that you're in Christ. Now that he is working for you. Now. Unlike before, there is no condemnation. Now that we're in Christ Jesus, He can save us from the condemnation of sin. And you look at, He can save us from the control of sin. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Free from law. You might have the word rule. And we can all relate to this. We find ourselves entrenched in sin. Find ourselves in a situation that we never really planned on being in. And we tell ourselves, as soon as I get out of this situation, I will come back to God. And we tell ourselves that we can handle it. But we don't stop sinning. It is ruling us. It has dominion over us, you might have. But Christ Jesus made us free from that law. He can, he can save us from the condemnation of sin. He can save us from the control of sin. He can save us from sin. And what else can He do? He can give us abundant life. John 10.10 10, that that I have come that they may have life well, that's good. I want, I want to have life. So Jesus comes and he, and, he, and he gives us life. But notice what he says. No, you can have life. And not just life, but you can have it more abundantly. You will be overflowing with life, eternal life, which gives us life to move through life. Abundantly. And finally, in this little section... Christ can lead us to the Father. Jesus says to him, he says, Jesus says to him and he's saying to us and we see this in, in John 14, 6. I, he says, I am the way. We emphasize that all the time. He's not a way, he is the way. And I am the truth, not just a truth and the life. And then we want to know how to get to God. How do we get to God? Jesus says, I will get you there because no one comes to, to God except through me. You want to get to, to God? Yes, you've got to go through me, he says. He can lead us to the Father. He can give us abundant life. He can deliver us from the control and the condemnation of sin. That's what he can do for us. That's what he can, he, he can do for us. Now let's talk about what he can do in us. Colossians 1.27 You can read it up here, but I want to tell you about, oh man, getting ready for the sermon. I started thinking about ingesting 
what we ingest on a daily basis, what we're exposed to on a daily basis. And as I'm reading, I'm realizing not just what we ingest, what we breathe into our lungs, and not just what we breathe in our lungs and ingest with our mouths down in our throats and our stomachs, but any at any given time, there are toxins in the... And I don't want to get y'all worried, but at any given time, there are toxins in the air that might pass over our skin. And someone might have an allergy to a certain food, and just the air of this, of this uh, allergen might pass over their skin, and they will take that... Absor- it's called absorb- absorption, and they will absorb it into their skin at any given time. Anything that we take into our bodies is going to have an effect. And you might be thinking... I'm not going to eat, and I won't take anything to my body. But you're still taking in air. Well, I'll hold my breath. But you're still taking stuff in through your skin. Well, then I'll just take a shower. If you ingest nothing, well, that's, that's not possible, but there will still be effects. There will still be effects. Colossians 1.27, to them God willed to be made known that what are the riches and the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. You put Christ in us, what's going to happen? Well, we get hope. The effect, the result is hope. You put him in us and our hope will grow. And yes, it's a mystery, but the hope of what? Of glory. The hope of glory. Hebrews. Let's go over to Hebrews 6. I'm going to read to you Hebrews 6, verses 19 and 20. 6, 19 and 20. I'll let you get there, and then I want you to, to read along with me. This hope we have, this hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner is in this hope we have as an anchor. We are in a sea of uncertainty. We live in a sea of fear. We live in a sea of confusion. And we're tossed about and we worry, will we sink in this turbulent sea of life? But we put Jesus in us. And we have an anchor. that keeps us where we need to be. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. It's 5, 1 and 2. Hope gives us a reason to rejoice. A reason to rejoice. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be wrong. I don't like to be wrong, and I don't like to be corrected in public, necessarily. Who does? If you do, that's that's an interesting trait that you have. But I don't like to be publicly told and shown that I am wrong. What I want is to be seen as being correct or right. But Romans 5, 1 and 2, therefore having been justified by faith to look like we are right, to be right as far as God is concerned. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we are right with Him. We have been justified. Our sins have been taken away. Verse 2 of Romans 5, 
through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope and glory of God. The hope and glory. Why wouldn't we want to ingest Jesus? Why wouldn't we want to put Jesus into our lives? Why wouldn't we want to look at him and deem him as the healthiest thing that we can put into our lives? I read a report from Consumer Reports. I read an article about, about them testing various juices, pure juices, fruit juices. And it's amazing what we deem healthy and we put in our bodies. It's amazing how unhealthy, not just because of the sugar in fruit juices, but because of the things that are in the soil that when they grow, that they grow out of and then they test those and they realize some of these juices are terrible for your health. But we look at them and we think, they are pure apple juice. That's pure apple juice. It has to be good for me. No preservatives, nothing added, just smashed apple drained into this. I'm not going to tell you the brands, but I'm telling you, it. when the grape juice was passed, I was so thankful that, it was the, that, that we were commemorating the blood of Christ. Because that is one of the most beautiful things. And if it were juice that we read in the Bible that we have to take, which we do, or if it were any other liquid, I would gladly take that. Why? Because we are commemorating something that's in us. The healthiest liquid that can be in us is the blood of Christ. And I know that we're not talking about physically being in us, but if we look at Christ and think, that's the healthiest thing I can put into my body, and I am putting him in my life right now. And that's the healthiest time in our lives when we totally allow him to come into our lives. So he gives us a reason to rejoice and then he can help us. He can help us get through the difficult times of life. You notice Philippians. Philippians 4.13, we read this, we quote this. It gives us hope and it simply says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Think about how this, when my kids were growing, when my boys were younger, they would bring me things to fix. And I, I didn't know what to do because I didn't want them to know that I couldn't fix, I can't hardly fix anything. Seriously, I, I don't know, I don't know mechanics, I don't know electronics, and they would bring these things to me and, and I would put them aside hoping against hope that they would just forget about them. And, and, and little kids and their toys that they love, they don't forget about them eventually. And it didn't take too long before they realized, I can't do all things. I can't fix all things. But we can do all things through Christ. We can get life like no, like, like no other person without Christ can. The Lord was Paul's hope. We're going to look at this in this little section here, 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17. Paul is left alone. Paul is standing before people fighting for his life in 2 Timothy 4, 16. And, or he talks about that. And in 16, he says, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. 
may it not be charged against him. I'm standing there on trial, getting ready to lose my, possibly lose my life, and I'm looking around for people that I've been traveling with, that I love, that I've been working with, spreading the gospel, and they're gone. They're gone. What's his reaction? Don't, don't count it against them. But 17, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached full to me. He's going to be with us. When he's in us, he's with us. And he will stand by us. You know, he gives peace to the heart. He gives peace to the heart. Colossians 3, 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called one body. He grants power to his people. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask according to the power that works where in us. What have you been ingesting spiritually? Have you been looking at Christ and thinking that's the healthiest thing I can put in my life? I'm putting him in. Or have you been looking at him and deciding, nope, I've got so many other choices over here and they might not be unhealthy, but just a little bit won't hurt. A little bit won't hurt. When Christ is in us, we're blessed. So what can Christ do with us? What can Christ do with us? Well, he can make us fishers of men. What does that mean? It means that he can, he can allow us, give us the opportunities, give us the knowledge through his word, give us the people in our lives that we can go and, and give information to them. And you, it's not deceptive. It is laying out the truth for them. And bringing them in and letting them make the decision to become Christians and go to heaven is not deceptive. It's amazing opportunities that he allows us to experience when he is with us, when he is in us, what he can do with us. You know, he can make better, better fathers and husbands. It's amazing to look through, look at a Christian man. And I, I was thinking about that and getting ready for this lesson, thinking about men in my life who I knew before they were Christians, studied with, they became Christians and they became fathers. And now several of them are deacons. Some of them are preachers. And the, the, from the time that you meet them until the time that you know them now, Oh, it's, it's, it's the blood of Christ. It's the grace of God. It is being, a, being part of Christ's body that will change you as a man. Ephesians 5.25 and Colossians 3.21. Husbands, love your wives. Ephesians 5, Colossians 3.21. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Make you better father and a better, and a better husband. When Christ is, is in us, and with us makes makes for better mothers and wives. Titus two two through five. Older men be sober, but the older women likewise. Verse three that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders. And then and then that they that the young women love their husbands to be discreet, chaste, homemakers. And we have scriptures for for children as well. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, Colossians 3, 20. Better sons, better daughters. 
they, they make us be, Christ makes us better friends with each other, better servants to each other. He builds relationships that glorify God when we're in Christ and we're connected to other people in his body. He gives us opportunities to show love to each other because he makes us better people. That's what he can do for us when he's in us, and that's what he can do with us. As we wrap up, we're going to look at a few more scriptures. I want to go to Colossians 1, 19 and 22. God, only Christ makes us acceptable to God. And we need to understand this. Right now, at any not right now, but at any given time, in our sinful state, we, we are not acceptable. And you might think, well, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? But we're, when we have sin in our lives, we are absolutely not acceptable to God. We can't be with Him. We can't be connected to Him because we're separated. And so Colossians 1, 19 and 22 through 22, it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, made Him happy, by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace. And you, once you were alienated, in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of flesh. He has brought you together to God with God once again. Only Christ can do that. Only Christ. Jesus wants to do things for us. Satan, you think about this. Satan wants to do things to us. Satan doesn't want to do anything for us, but he definitely wants to do things to us. And none of those things are good. Last night, when my brother-in-law spoke at the senior banquet, he, he mentioned watching fail videos. And he said how much, he talked about how much he hates them. And they're excruciating to watch this video of, of people hurting themselves and falling and, and wiping out. But my favorite videos to watch are these videos called People Are Awesome. And you see this. It says, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that's what it is. That's what it is. All inspiring acts of people who are able to do things that I can't imagine. And they're in these videos just because of what they can do. But I want to make the statement that Jesus is awe-inspiring when it comes to what someone can do. And when he is in someone's life, he can do wonderful things for them. When he's in them, he can do wonderful things with them. So as we end today, please think about this. There is a price that comes with being a Christian. Jesus says in Matthew 16, you want to come to me? You got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross. You got to follow me. You want to save his life, you're going to lose it. There is a price to be paid to become a Christian. It is ourselves. But I'm telling you, and you think about this and you know it's true, you cannot afford to not pay that price. You cannot afford to not pay the price. If you choose not to be a Christian, the price is so much higher than giving up yourself for eternity to be with God. So you think about where you are. Has, has you, have you been living as if Christ were in you? Have you been allowing Christ to do what he needs to do with you, what he can do? Have you been living in such a way that hasn't been glorifying God as a Christian like you need to be? And if you haven't, then take care of that this morning. And if you are not a Christian, but you're thinking about the possibility of trying to learn what that means, 
We would be so excited to study with you. We would love to sit down one-on-one or a few of us with a few of you and just go through the scriptures and show you what the Bible says, what God says about how to get to heaven. Not our opinion, but we would love to sit down and show you the word of God and the will of God and the way of God. If you're ready to become a Christian, you understand what you need to do. Do that, and we will rejoice with you, but God and the angels will rejoice with you even more zealously. Even, even, and, and so if you're ready to do that, let us know. If there are any other needs that can be met by coming forward, let us know now as we stand and as we sing.